Greetings and welcome to another episode of the Virginia Hospital and Healthcare Association's Patients Come First podcast series. Podcast episodes are available on many popular podcast hosting sites, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Deezer, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, Blueberry, SoundCloud, Google Podcasts, and at www.vhha.com. You can also hear episodes of the podcast each Saturday at noon on WJFN 100.5 FM in the Richmond area. Send any questions, comments, or feedback to pcfpodcast at vhha.com. Again, that's pcfpodcast at vhha.com. Today, we're joined by VHHA Director of Emergency Preparedness, Kelly Parker, who is coordinating a lot of the behind-the-scenes work happening in response to the COVID-19 pandemic in Virginia. In a moment, she'll share that firsthand perspective. But first, welcome to the program, Kelly. Good morning. Thank you very much for having me. Well, thanks for being with us. To give our listeners a little bit of insight, we're recording this episode of the podcast on Tuesday, April 7th. Currently, there are more than 3,300 confirmed cases of COVID-19 in Virginia, and nearly 1,200 people are hospitalized due to the virus. Projections suggest that Virginia's peak infection period may still be weeks away, and so far the Commonwealth hasn't been as hard hit as many other states, but the impact has still been significant and disruptive to our healthcare delivery system, our economy, and our everyday way of life. That's what people following the news know, the tip of the iceberg. But what people may not know is the the behind-the-scenes work that's happening to respond to public health emergencies and the critical role that hospitals play in that. So let's start there, Kelly. If you could just tell us about the process and what's involved, because it really is such a massive, coordinated undertaking that's happening to respond to this pandemic. Yeah, absolutely. So this is a lot of the work that we do on a day-to-day basis, but we really get our time to shine, if you could say so, in times like this. We have a team across the state that works with all of our hospitals and locality partners and our state partners to plan and prepare to disasters. The level of planning and engagement that is going on at all levels from our healthcare facilities, our frontline nurses and doctors, our hospitals, our long-term care facilities, outpatient clinics, primary care providers, and many, many more is just outstanding. They are our boots on the ground. They are trying to determine the best way to respond to folks who might have COVID. And those efforts are not only happening within their facility, but also with our folks in our healthcare coalitions across the Commonwealth. The regional conversations take into account and partner with our localities, our emergency managers, EMS partners, public health partners. And that also takes place at the state level. So we are very much engaged with the Virginia Department of Health's response at the Emergency Support Function 8 level, as well as with the Virginia Department of Emergency emergency management and our government partners and our governor, our secretaries, etc. It really is an all-hands-on-deck effort at this point. There are a lot of elements to this response, not just the patient care, but as you mentioned, every aspect of our economy has been impacted. And so trying to understand everybody's needs, meet those needs, and ensure that we can respond in the best way possible is what we're trying to do. And as you said, Kelly, for those who are not involved in this, the scope of this is just really astounding how much work is happening. As you mentioned, the frontline healthcare providers, the the people who are in direct contact with patients who are ill. But then, as you mentioned, there's the regional healthcare coalitions. There's all the public health agencies. There's so much that goes into this that people may not recognize. And it's important to try to spotlight that a little bit. One of the challenges that's been associated with this is access to personal protective equipment and supplies. And that does give us an opportunity, plug alert here, to point people to a few resources on our website, which is www.vhha.com. If you visit the site on our homepage, there are two spotlight boxes. One links directly to our new COVID-19 data dashboard, which was developed in concert with your team, Kelly, and with the VHHA data analytics team. And that provides updated information on hospitalized patients, ventilator use, bed availability, 
availability and supply status, all to help inform the public conversation as well as the official response to this. And then right next to that on VHHA.com on the homepage is a spotlight box that's linked to COVID-19 resources on a page with lots of useful information and links for people to donate needed supplies to hospitals. So please visit both of those links and donate if you can. So on the subject of PPE and some of the emergency response work, to give people a better sense of how that collaborative process works, I wonder if you could talk a little bit about and provide an overview of the Virginia Healthcare Emergency Management Program and how that fits into this broader emergency response framework and how that's connected to the regional healthcare coalitions and the distribution of PPE and other supplies that come in through the strategic national stockpile. Absolutely. So the Virginia Healthcare Emergency Management Program developed a partnership between the Hospital Association and the Virginia Department of Health back in 2002. And this partnership was created after a federal funding source known as the Hospital Preparedness Program became available after the response to the 9-11 attacks. And this funding effort really is there to help the healthcare sector coordinate together, plan, and prepare for response. And through that funding and through this program, we've created a network of six healthcare coalitions across the state. And they really are our boots on the ground for our program to coordinate response efforts between hospitals and healthcare facilities and our locality partners. They are integrated into our response framework. They report on information from our healthcare facilities up to the state and they relay information to our healthcare facilities from the state. So it's a two-way reporting relationship that our healthcare coalitions help us maintain. In addition to that, they track supply needs from our healthcare facilities and they are very crucial in helping distribute supplies to necessary and needed facilities throughout this pandemic. So we have received a couple of allotments of supplies through the Strategic National Stockpile and through a pretty objective algorithm, we've determined what the allocations would be for our hospital and health systems, as well as our long-term care facilities, skilled nursing facilities, Department of Behavioral Health and Development and Services facilities, as well as dialysis partners if needed. And so they're really a crucial part in ensuring that these necessary supplies that are being delivered from the federal government can make its way to those frontline providers, providing care to those with covid And I'm glad you brought up that point about the distribution of assets because that really underscores the notion of what we've been discussing, that this really is an all-hands-on-deck situation, and it involves, obviously, the hospitals and health systems and the dedicated clinical staff who are on the front lines responding to this, but there are so many other partners that are involved in this, as you mentioned, whether it's long-term care facilities, nursing homes, dialysis centers, and so many others that are a part of this response, and so it's important to recognize that this really is a very comprehensive effort that's going on that involves so many people, even though a lot of the attention can sometimes fall on perhaps the government response. This is so much more involved than that, even though the government is obviously a critical partner here. And so we appreciate that explanation. And it's also important to note, as we talked about the economic disruption, the financial impact that this has on healthcare providers, and then also what this means for people, because that's the concern that a lot of people have. What does it mean for me and my family? And so it's important to remember that not everyone who gets this is going to be symptomatic. Often the folks who are going to be at most serious risk are those who are in vulnerable populations and demographics and those with underlying chronic health care conditions that could be exacerbated by contracting this virus. So we really want to underscore that and then get your perspective, Kelly, on sort of the messaging and the guidance that's out there that people can take to heart and what they can do. We've talked about the official side of the COVID-19 response from the perspective of emergency preparedness in government and health care. But again, not everyone works in those fields. And so 
many people who might be working remotely at home and they feel like they're bombarded with information from the news about social distancing and washing their hands and wearing homemade masks in public. When considering all of those different pieces of advice that people are seeing and hearing every day, what, what is the best guidance from your perspective that people can take to heart and practice that's simple for them to do but can also help hopefully flatten the curve and limit the spread here? Absolutely. And that's a great question. And, you know, we mentioned earlier that it is an all hands on deck approach, and that includes folks who aren't directly impacted by this. The social distancing factor, I think, is the biggest piece that can play a significant role in flattening the curve. And that is just because, as it's been stated, you know, an estimated 25% of folks who don't have or who may have COVID-19 aren't symptomatic. And so you might have the virus and not know it and be spreading it to those that you're around. And those folks who might be contracting it may have those underlying health conditions that could negatively impact their ability to beat the virus. So the social distancing aspect is key. Also, the news that has come out this week recommending that everybody wear a mask if they are out in public, if available, is also key. And that's not necessarily from the perspective it might help you prevent getting the virus, but if you are a carrier of the virus and asymptomatic, it might help limit the spread of the virus from your perspective. And so those are the two points I would urge folks to pay attention to is ensuring that you are social distancing yourself, uh, staying away from from folks that you might know might have some of these underlying health conditions and might be part of the vulnerable populations, and then wearing a mask if you're out in public. You heard it here, folks. Listen to the advice that's being shared with you. Everybody has a role to play. Even if you're not on the front lines, everybody can play a part in trying to tamp down this pandemic, and that's very key right now. Before we go, Kelly, I have a few left field questions for you to give listeners a bit of a sense of who you are beyond the very important work you do. We're going to switch it up a little today to keep things interesting. Since I know that you're quietly a bit of a sneakerhead, my first question for you, Kelly, is what is your all-time favorite pair of kicks? You know, I'd have to go with probably Reeboks Classics. Okay. The white, yeah. or the, the white or the black? And the gum sole or the white sole? Uh, the black with the white sole. Okay. <laughs> I can respect that. I used to be a sneakerhead as I get older. I'm probably more of a shoe person now, which is just a function of middle age, I think. <laughs> Although I do still love, as you know, and others around the office know, which I get mocked for, my Vibram five-finger toe shoes. And my favorite all-time shoe or sneaker is probably the Nike Air Max 91, worn by Detroit Lions great Barry Sanders, mm -hmm. who is the greatest running back of all time. And our colleague Matt Mary would agree with that. <laughs> yes, he would. <laughs> The next question for you, Kelly, what is the best piece of advice you've ever been given and why is it important to you in your life? That's a tough one. I think uh, one of the best pieces of advice that I've received is actually from, and it wasn't necessarily advice, but it was from a former manager. I, in a previous life, I worked in breweries and restaurants and, you know, loved the craft beer industry and was looking into going deeper into management and deeper into operations from a brewery perspective. And I, I had a manager that said, you know, you're great at this role and you're good at this, but I don't think this is a career path that you should choose. And I think you're you're destined to do bigger and better things. And and with that advice, I decided to go back to school and get into the healthcare industry. And, and I've thought about that a lot during this response that I don't know where I would be today if I would have continued my chosen career path at that time in the, in the brewery industry. But I'm very fortunate that former manager kind of put that idea in my head and I went back to school and am now able to respond to this pandemic and the role that I am because I do feel that I'm playing a much larger role in helping society than I would have in the past. Well, you ab absolutely are playing a very critical role as someone who is observing and, and working alongside you during this challenging period of time. So good advice. I don't think I knew that about you, switch from the brewery world to healthcare and emergency preparedness. So that's an interesting factoid that I learned. 
since we're talking about the world of brews and food, it's a nice segue here to this next question, which is this, Kelly, in the imaginary hypothetical scenario that you were on death row, what would your last meal be? My last meal, it would probably be Thai, some form of curry. Uh, Sabai is one of my favorite restaurants in Richmond, and that's just something I probably can't live without. So, Well, I like Thai food, but I've never been to Sabai, so I'll have to check that out. And so I appreciate the recommendation. Typically, at this point in the podcast, we would ask you to tell us the one book, one album, and one movie that you would take with you to keep yourself company if you were stranded on a deserted island, which at this point in time is probably the ultimate form of social distancing. And we'd still love to hear your picks for that. But first, I'm going to take this off on a slightly different tangent. During these crazy times, I'd like to know what one song you play at the end of a crazy day to de-stress and unwind. What is your favorite mellow out jam? Kelly Parker. Right now, and this changes frequently, it would probably be Vagabond by Camp. Vagabond dreaming takes me through the night. Sipping whiskey by okay. the And then would you care to share your one book, album, and movie to take in your survival kit if you were stranded by yourself on an island? Very, very difficult. I would say that the book that I would take would be probably Travels with Charlie in Search of America by John Steinbeck. It uh, kind of plays true to my heart and uh, how I live my life outside of work, and that's one that I always kind of come back to. Okay. That's the book. What about album and movie? Mm, Album? I don't know if I have a specific album, but Red Hot Chili Peppers is always close to my heart, so I might just choose them as an artist. movie. Okay. To be quite honest, I don't watch too many movies. Okay. Well, you've given us plenty to digest, so I appreciate that, and I do appreciate you making a few moments to be with us during a very busy time. And that is going to bring us to the close of another episode of the Virginia Hospital and Healthcare Association's Patients Come First podcast. If you like what you heard, please make sure to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcast and subscribe so that you know when new episodes are released. And once again, thank you to our guest, VHHA Emergency Preparedness Director Kelly Parker, for being with us today. Thanks, Kelly. Thank you so much, Julian.